few months ago in London, mommy was sleeping in one room, I was in another room because of our different prayer times and different sleep patterns. And I was lying on my bed and suddenly I saw a revelation. I saw in the skies what looked like you know, we used to have something we call disco watch. You know, the, the watch that has the numbers like, like what looked like that watch in the air, in the skies. And there were tenders and lightnings in the midst of darkness. Then I saw the figures running, 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 running. Then I heard God speaking. And I believe he spoke with me audibly because I could hear the windows, the aluminum windows and doors in the room where I was sleeping, shaking and hitting each other. And the Lord said, see, the time is going fast. My son is coming soon. Go preach the gospel. I heard him clearly. Now, it was after God had spoken that I realized that I, it was out of body experience. Because after the instructions, I could not hear mommy praying in the other room. But I couldn't lift my body up. Until after a few seconds, I felt the entry of my spirit back into my body and I woke up. This, the middle of this dawn, I saw myself in an optical shop, optical shop where they sell spectacles. Then I saw this very beautiful, beautiful but expensive spectacles, very expensive. I didn't have the money to buy it, but I begged the owner of the shop that please don't sell this. I am going to look for money to come back and buy it. Please don't sell it. I'm going to look for money and come back and buy it. So I went, ran, and came back. I came back with mommy. I could, I could only tell mommy I found a very beautiful spectacle, but I wasn't courageous to tell her the price. Because I felt if I told her the price, she would say, why will you use such an amount of money to buy a spectacle? So when we entered the shop, I was somebody trying, somebody somehow trying to do the negotiation without mommy hearing what the figures were. Then I woke up. Then the Lord said, the new vision will cost you a lot. He said, the new vision will be expensive. It will cost you time. It will cost you money. 
It will cost you energy. It will cost you sleepless night. He says the new vision is more expensive than the earlier one. And he said, are you ready to pay the price? Are you ready to pay the price? But I'm starting a new series. It's a, it's a month of Christ-centricity. It's a month of Christ-centricity. So can I see my title on the screen? A month of Christ-centricity. And I'm talking on the subject, the seven most important questions of Jesus. Jesus asked a lot of questions. In fact, if we put all the questions from the Gospels, all the four Gospels together, he asked over 138 questions. It could be more, depending on the versions that you are reading, or less. But the seven most important questions are not actually the seven most important questions generally, but it is the seven most important questions for the present place church. So I might come again and go back to look at another seven most important questions, depending on the season and the time. So today, and, and the amazing thing about the questions of Jesus is that he is the answer to his questions. He is the answer to his questions. And so, what I'm going to share with you today, we will see how Jesus becomes the answer to his old question. Now, Mark chapter 8 and the verse 36. Mark chapter 8 and the verse 36. From the New King James Version. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? This is a very profound. Now the words of Jesus are very profound. Even the ones that are not questions, teachings, they are very profound. That's why in, the, in most Bibles, you will see that the words of Jesus are written in red. Just to get your attention. So in this month of Christ-centricity, I want you to go back to your Bible and just look at the words of Jesus printed red in it and read it. Every day, read. Every day, read the words of Jesus. Look for the words of Jesus and read. But this morning, I want to focus on this very important question. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? The whole world. The whole world. And loses his own soul. You know, you know life is fashioned and programmed on making profits. But at some point in your life, you need to do and compare the effect of the profits you are making on the most important things in your life. Sometimes you are making profit from your work. Your career is good. You are earning good money. But your marriage is broken as a result of that. So sometimes you need to 
do a comparative analysis between the profits you make and the most important things in your life. But in this instant, Jesus was making a very profound comparison. Very serious one. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So, the whole world, in other words, if they give you all the money in America, all the money in in the UK, all the money in the European countries' economy put together, all the monies across Africa, all the monies in Asia, all the monies in Australia, all the monies in every country in the world, if they give it to you at the expense of your soul, it is not a profit at all. In other words, the soul is priceless. You can't place, you can't place a price on the soul. So what is this thing called the soul that is so expensive that money can't buy? If they give you all the houses in Trazaco Valley Estate, in exchange for your soul, Jesus is saying, choose to be homeless. If they give you all the houses at East Legon and cantonments, all the houses in California, in exchange for your soul, Jesus says, choose to be homeless. If they give you all the jobs, if they offer you a job on Wall Street, that will pay you the money, that will solve all the poverty problem in your village, Jesus said, choose to be unemployed. So what is this thing called the soul that is so important, so expensive, so priceless? Are you here? Protocol officers, um, a young, a young preacher is preaching with me. Can you, can you help the young preacher that when I finish preaching, he will have his chance. So, so are you here with me? Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So what is this thing called the soul? Why is this so important? Now, look at First Thessalonians chapter 5 and the verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, 
sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now, other things are introduced in addition to the soul, and I want to explain something to you. So the, the, go to the next slide, let me show you. Now, please understand that I'm not trying to teach theology here. I'm going to try to make very practical sense to you today. I want you to know you. And then I want you when you live here to make certain important choices in your life. You may not hear this message again in your lifetime to make the choice I'm going to ask you to make. Today could be your day of salvation and therefore if you hear his word, do not harden your heart. Today could be it. Today could be it. Today could be it. You see, when you listen to the theologians, you get confused. Some theologians will say, man is a spirit having a soul living in a body. Some will say, no, man is a soul having a spirit living in a body. I'll make your life simple for you. You are made up of three things. The body, the soul, and the spirit. Let me just, what all the theologians agree on is, the, is their functions. The body was given to you, was created, so that you can relate with the world. So when I meet you, I can see you. Spirits don't have body. Demons don't have bodies. So if a demon wants to attack you, sometimes he will get into somebody. He will get into a driver, get a driver drunk, and the driver will run his car into your car and kill you. Okay? But you and I, we have a body. We can see each other. But when I'm talking to you, it is not my body that is talking to you. My body only gives me a presence and makes me visible to you. But in most cases, when we are having social discussions, it is something called a soul that is speaking to you. Are you here? Do you understand? So you see, when you marry someone, you are not only marrying the body, and most of the times, it's the body that attracts us to people, but there is two more dimensions to one person, and that is the soul and the spirit, which we usually neglect. Now, the spirit is the breath of God in us. This body 
God used the dust of the ground to create it. When you die, it goes back. It goes back. You don't take it anywhere. It is the most temperate thing in your life. Even now you are, that you are not dead, it keeps deforming as you grow older. My daughter, my sister, was telling me, when, when she was very young, when she was very young, she saw a gray hair in my head, just one, and she started crying. Daddy, you are going to die. You have a gray hair. I said, you haven't seen anything yet. Where's more? This week, she said, Daddy, I saw one of your pictures while she were walking. I just concluded, my father is old. My father is old. I, I just concluded. Even though I don't feel I'm that old. I feel, I feel very 52. You know, yeah. But, but the body changes. I mean, so 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when you saw your wife, she's different now. The most useless aspect of these three things, the spirit, soul, and body, is actually your body. The things that are seen are temporal, according to the scriptures. But the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the most temporal aspect of you. In fact, whilst you are still alive, you are dying. Because every day, millions of cells die and new cells are reproduced. This body was created to die. <laughs> are you here with me? Was created to die. Now, so what is the essence of your spirit? The importance of your spirit is that because there is a spirit world, because there is a spirit world, God created man and gave him a human spirit. Now, understand that when God was creating man, man has not fallen. We had a perfect system and a perfect world. So God gave man what we call a human spirit so that man can relate with God. That's why the true worshippers of God worship him in spirit and in truth. As I'm preaching to you, anything that relates to God is done from the spirit. From your spirit inside. It comes from your innermost being. It comes from your innermost being, which is your spirit. So as I'm preaching now, my spirit is using my soul to communicate to you through my bodily functions. Now, if I don't keep my spirit clean and pure, and I start engaging in sin especially those of you who follow pastors who are sleeping with girls here and there here and there they will one day sleep with a witch and the witch will impart a spirit inside the, the pastor and the pastor's preach the lay hands on you is the impartation of evil spirits so that's why you, you must be very careful who lays your hands, his hands on you? 
for those of you who are multi-pastors, multi-pastors, you have to be very careful. You see? And I'll show you why, why you do those things. You are so eager to solve the problem that you end up complicating the problem. Anybody who, who desires shortcuts to problem solving is not wise. Are you here? Am I preaching? Am I teaching you something? Now, now, so the original intention of God giving you a spirit is so that he can relate with your spirit. In fact, none of us here will be successful Christians if, if we don't relate with God from the spirit. If the choir sings and they don't sing from their spirit, but from their soul or from their bodies, they will make the impact. That is why prayer is so crucial. Fasting is so crucial. Studying God's word is so crucial. And I'll explain something to you very, very soon before we leave here. Now, now that there are demons and witches and wizards, they actually also want to get into your spirit. Because the best way God can relate with you properly, properly, is to live in your spirit. So if the Bible says that your body is the temple of the living God, it doesn't mean God lives in this body. It means God lives in the spirit. God lives in the spirit that is inside your body. And your body is the container. It's just like this building not being the church, but you being the church. This building is the chapel that contains the church. Your body is the container that contains your spirit and your soul. When you go to school, your, your lectures, lectures to your soul. When you come to church, we preach to your spirit. We talk to your spirit, but to be able to assess your spirit, we have to do that. We have to first and foremost see your body, and secondly, get to your spirit through your soul. Now, there are three things in the soul. There are three things in the soul. Your mind, your emotions, and your will. Anyone that captures your mind captures your emotions and captures your spirit controls you entirely. So the battle you are engaging, the most the fiercest battle that you are engaging is not a battle against witches and wizards. I'm going to show you how to win a certain battle that will even make witches and wizards not attempt to fight you. That will make sickness not attempt to come into your body. And I want to show you something. Can my guys come? Just come here on stage right now. I want to show you something. So virtually run. So you see these, these three men here. This is your body. 
This is your soul. And then, this is your spirit. It's you. It's you on three dimension. It's you on three dimension. So this is your body. This is your soul. This is your spirit. In your spirit, God relates with you. Any genuine pastor called by God, when it comes preaching to you, is focused on your spirit. Any pastor that wants to manipulate you or is not anointed but wants to make noise focuses on your soul. Now the soul likes sensationalism. The mind the mind is easily excited by good news. The, the will willingly follows good news. Emotions embraces it and express it so i can come here this morning with a message like like you are climbing up and i say from today you are climbing up you are, i'm not saying that that title is so good i'm going to preach a message on how to win yesterday god told me something on how to win and you know i preach those messages but if if i preach those messages you see i put the responsibility on you and show you how to implement it in a godly manner. Now, most people go to church, and all that is done in that church is shouting and screaming from the beginning of the church to the end. The pastor comes and picks one scripture, and on that one scripture begins to scream and begins to shout and begins to do things and begins to do shout and do all manner of gimmicks. And people are soulishly, soulishly soulishly excited and because the church is a carnal church when our soul is excited we call it we call it anointing we are not able to tell the difference between the anointing and excitement When we're doing ready for the master's use different singers came here i knew those who were anointed and those who were offering excitement and because we live in a generation where we are very we get very excited over everything i i saw those anointed who singing anointed songs and the youth were not responding and then those who came for excitement came here and the whole youth started responding Today, pastors who offer excitement and soulish, soulish sermons are the most popular. Okay. Now, what happens is that consistently, you see, God wants to get into your spirit and then use his presence in your spirit to express himself through your soul. I think we should move this thing a bit. Through your soul. Because God wants to use your mind, wants to use your will, and wants to use your emotions. 
This is where the emotions, the joy of the Lord will be expressed. This is where agape love will be expressed. This is where holy wrath will be expressed. This is where God wants to do things. And God wants to use your will to make his choices for your life. The greatest deception, and I've preached on before, is how to discover your purpose. Nobody was created for his or her purpose. You were created for the purpose of God. The first man that was created was created. God, God created the Garden of Eden and everything, did everything before he created man. So man was not created to come and create something. He was created to come and work on what God has already created. So Adam was created to serve God's purpose. The most frustrating part of your life is to be looking for a purpose that does not exist. The only purpose that exists is God's purpose for your life. When you discover God's purpose for your life, you leave it. Are you here? You must know why you were created. If you know why you were created, where you are will not determine what you do and who you become. Are you understanding me? Adam was not created to discover his purpose. Adam was created with a purpose already working, waiting for him. The Bible said David, after he has served God's purpose in his generation, fell asleep. Are you here? After he has served God's purpose for you, I am not here to serve my purpose. Because if, if, if I wanted to serve my purpose, I know what to do. I am here to serve God's purpose. That's why I preach the way I preach and do things the way I do. I am here to serve God's purpose. So in the will, you serve God's purpose. In the mind, you get understanding of God. So God uses his spirit that he has put in your human spirit to try to express himself through your soul. And once he expresses himself through your soul, it is seen in your body. It forms a personality. Okay? Here, when the spirit of God comes here, it forms a character that is glorious to God. Then that character expresses itself through the body and then you have a personality that glorifies God. Are you here? But here is the thing. Here is the thing. In the body are what we call the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, the verse 19 and 20 to 21. There are things listed there called the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh also wants to take over the soul and express itself through the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. So they fight over the soul. The spirit wants the soul, the body wants the soul. So they fight. See? So this is the warfare you are in. This is the warfare you are in. This is the warfare you are in. 
as I'm even preaching now, you are in this warfare. Your body is telling you something. Your spirit is telling you something. As I'm preaching right now, you are hearing two voices in addition to what I'm saying. You are hearing a voice that is saying, listen to my servant. And you are hearing a voice that is saying, he's lying. He's deceiving you. Don't listen to him. They are fighting over your soul. If the body wins, if the body wins, if the body wins, it keeps the spirit of God away. So you may be a Christian, but the spirit of God can be grieved in you, can be hindered in you, and cannot function in you. And then, the body takes over the soul. When it takes over the soul, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 things that, uh, that manifest in your life. And I want to share them with you quickly. Um, body, uh, so overcome by body. Can you move a little? Can you, can you bring the Galatians um, scripture? Move a little. Let me see this thing. Now, um, oh, you, you, you've gone ahead of me. I, I want to, I think the King James Version, and I start from the 19. Are, are we there? I'll start from the verses. Let's, well, let's start from the beginning. Let's start from, okay. Now, it says, it says now. Now, the works of the flesh. So you see, you are supposed to work out your own salvation. But there's another work called the works of the flesh. There was, when God created Adam, the body didn't have this. But once Adam sinned against God, there is something called the works of the flesh that came into the body. The works of the flesh, which are these. So now that your soul is taken over by the body, the first thing you see in your life is adultery. Now, when you hear Christians who are married sleeping with other people and defending it, you know the soul has taken over, the body has taken over their soul. In fact, there are, are, are Christians who commit adultery when the, church, when the church disciplines them, they get people in the church who will say, that they just just committed a mistake. He just made a mistake, and the bishop. That's why everybody is doing it. But you see, when you get people, similar people who are who lie. Oh, the bishop, I'm sorry, I have to be here. Please, I beg you. Whose life are controlled by the body? Whose souls are controlled by the body? So you see, when you come, when I became a Christian, I went into a church. I sought for those who were spiritual. I've never had an itchy ear. To hear what I want to hear. I always want to hear what will correct me. Not what will endorse the bad thing I'm doing. Please. Don't surround yourself with bootlickers. And people, you yourself, you know. That what you have done is wrong. You, you know. But, but you, want, you, want, you want support. 
You can, we have people in church, people sitting here looking at my face right now, who call themselves Christians, looking at my face right now, who are committing adultery with boldness and confidence. And they don't feel ashamed. They're sleeping with their wives' friends and their husbands' friends. They're sleeping with people they know, their wives and their husbands. They're sleeping with people they know, their daughters. If you sleep with your best friend's daughter, are you not a demon? No, I'll show you. I'll show you right now. All the girls in this church who are, who are um, chasing people's husbands and when you preach, they don't respect. Then they leave the church. They go to another place and they go to another church and they go. It's a funny thing when sometimes... Yeah, but so people are leaving the church. People are leaving the church. People are leaving the church. <laughs> you know those who say those things? Those who want to justify something. They want to justify something. They were the very people who came and said, Daddy, there are these people who are spoiling your name. And Daddy preached. And those people said, Hey, we are going. Then they turn around and say, People are leaving the church. People are leaving the church. <laughs> let, let me tell you this. Good people don't leave good churches. Only bad people do. I believe this is a good church. I believe I'm a good pastor. Now, Samuel, Samuel called the people and said, I have been your leader since I was young. Can any one of you accuse me of cheating you, of committing a crime against you? It's your own shadows chasing you. There are people, Christians, who are committing fornication. Fornication, rough, rough. I can tell you, there are girls in this church sleeping with more than three men. They don't care. They don't care. There are girls sitting in church right now who are spams of people they are not married to on them right now. Because last night they were slept with. Or this dawn they were slept with. And they have come to church with it. They are not afraid. They are not afraid. They, they don't feel guilty. If any of the people eh, who, who are leaders in this church encourages you to sin, please note that the soul has been taken over by the body. And the person is on the way to hell. And the person wants you to go to hell with him. There are even pastors that they do. They, I'll show you right now. I'll show you. I'll show you. She said, now for the kitchen. The uncleanness. Uncleanness. From physical to spiritual uncleanness. When, when you become carnal, one of the evidence is that you can even go around without sleeping. There are people sitting without taking your bath. There are people sitting beside you right now. They smell. They are not clean. They smell. They don't want to bath. Go to their room, you see. Dirty, smelly. They are all signs and indication of how the body has taken over the soul. Because, it's because you see, the mind is in the soul. When the body takes over, it makes you mad, even though you are not in the mental hospital. Now, you are filthy even in sin. You know how a sinner can be surprised at the sin of another sinner? Oh boy, oh bros, we, we all the uh, your own dear be too much. 
Charlie, your own here be too much. Those people, they are unclean. Even sinners call them sinners. Tell you, we are all gossiping, but this your gossip there is too much. Ah, ah, this your own there is too much. They are filthy in everything. They are filthy even in business. When they are doing business with you, they will cheat you. They are filthy in everything. Filthy in everything. Filthy in their conversation. Filthy. <laughs> They'll be working with you no matter what you do for them. They will still steal from you. Because they are filthy. When the soul, when the when your body takes over the soul. Look, look. Lasciviousness. Last. This is where they get to the point of 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 high immorality, prostitution. There are Christians who are official prostitution, prostitutes. They speak in tongues. They speak in tongues. They are slave queens today. Who are Christians? They sing in the choir. They do ushering. They do what? What don't they do in church? That those of us who call ourselves born again, we do. They do all, but they are top slave queens. Lasciviousness also means lying things to sin. Because, in, yeah, because in those days, there were people who were giving, prostitution was frowned upon, but some people were giving lying things to practice prostitution. Tell you, some people sitting here, Satan has given them lying things. They sin without a little guilt. No, no. Without a little guilt. They can even chase mommy without feeling guilty. Oh, I'm telling you, I know, I know of churches where the pastor's wife is being slept with. By men close to the pastor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go to they go to um, leaders meeting with a pastor, and they are fine. And they are looking at the pastor's face, and they are laughing. There's some of you here. You are sleeping with your friends' wives, and you you can still look at their faces and talk to them. And laugh and eat with them and not feel guilty. You are sleeping with your friends' daughters. You are sleeping with your friends' husbands. You are fine. You are masturbating. Serious masturbation. You are fine. No guilt. Nothing. Nothing. Ah! The works of the flesh. Look, 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 look. Can we go next? Can we go next? Idolatry. Listen. There are Christians who still go, who still believe in their traditions. They believe that if they go home and they are pouring libation, you stand there, they'll pour it. They'll be part of it. <laughs> and then they will say, We came to meet this. We, we came to meet it. We came or we came to meet it. You see, the body has taken over your soul. You are Kana. Your hometown festival. Hey, 
When it reaches and you can't, you don't go. It is like something is going to kill you. Hey, that festival. Hey, I must be part of it. And then there's a day where all the gods and the fetish priests carry the gods in the town. Then everybody's outside, they are watching. Then you are interested. And then <laughs> you go and stand in your window. And then you are watching. Then you are clapping your hands. Say, you are already involved in your heart. You love it. This is our people. That's the way we do things. In our, in our tradition, in our tradition, the woman must be pregnant before you marry her. So, if you are not pregnant, I can't marry you. And a person is a tongue stalker, a tight payer, comes to church. In our tradition, in our tradition, in our tradition. Another way in which we have idols is anything that takes the place of God. Be not, do you know that because of because of Facebook, some people are not reading Bible again. Because of Facebook and other social media platforms, some people cannot even come to church again. How to, how to stop watching that thing? How to stop watching the favorite program on TV and come to Wednesday teaching service? Oh, it's not possible. It's not possible. It's never possible. It's never possible. And then witchcraft. Let me tell you this. Do you know this, the, the, the Greek word translated witchcraft here? It is the same word translated pharmacy. Drugs. 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 Do you know in the world of drugs are where witch, witch and witchcraft operate? The people in church, they live on drugs. I was, I was talking to my son Kevin. I said, I'm going to preach one day. I'm going to preach a sermon called The Seven Stupid Things Christians Defend. One of them is where people say, show me in the Bible where it is written that we shouldn't smoke. I will show you in the Bible. I will just take the cigarette box and show it to you. That they have written on it that cigarette smoking is harmful to the body. Show me in the Bible where they have written that we should not drink. We should not drink. I will just take the liver of a fowl and pour alcohol on it. And you see it boiling. And I'll tell you that you are very stupid to be destroying your liver and arguing about it. Weed, weed, it makes people think. It makes people think. If you are thinking, if you are thinking, by now you should be in Silicon Valley. Manufacturing some computer. You are living in that cure, smoking weed. And you say, weed made people think. Now, I, 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 I sometimes want to cry for people. Hatred, 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 hatred. You, you can have Christians who are full of bitterness, grudges, and hatred against people. The soul, the body has taken over your soul. And it's taking you to hell. And it's leading you to hell. Because you see, what makes Christianity different from other religions, other religions, is our capacity to love and to forgive and let things go. Our capacity. But you look at you, bitterness against people, hatred against people. 
There's some people, when you meet them, you want to punch them. You want to do something to them. But you see, all this sermon I'm preaching, eh? if your soul, if, if the body is covering your soul and your spirit is grieved, it's only hitting the body and falling off. Tomorrow you will still do what I'm, do, I'm preaching right now. You will not repent. You will not change. You will not. Look. Look. Variance. Just unnecessary argument. Unnecessary. You just, you just have to disagree with everything the pastor says. Just to make a point. The only way you make your point is to disagree with someone. I know there are people in this church eh, who love would, would laugh with me, but they don't like me. They smile and everything, but when they meet, they don't like me. And always when you meet in a group and you are talking, there are people who feel that, but this man hasn't done us anything. And then when they leave the group, they say somewhere, actually, I went to sit among these brothers or these sisters. The things they were saying about the bishop really hurt me. Really, 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 really hurt me. You know why? The bishop has preached some sermons. Like this sermon I'm preaching right now. Some people will hate me for it. Because your, boy, your girlfriend is going to call you after this and say, please stick with your wife and stop worrying me. It is a work of the flesh. Your sugar daddy who is in this church has been giving you... You cannot exchange the whole world with your soul and is giving you 100 cities a week. 50 cities. Mobile money. Hmm. All of you who are mortgaging your soul for mobile money. Mobile money has limitations. You are all stupid people. Very stupid. That just mobile money, you are selling your soul. You are mortgaging your soul. Whilst you are in church, the person is sending something to you. You are receiving it. So people can even sit in church and send WhatsApp. Missing you. Let's meet after church. In the, in the usual place. And they are married. Or one is married. And they are doing it. Work of the flesh. All these things I'm preaching. It doesn't get anywhere. It doesn't get anywhere. It doesn't penetrate. It doesn't penetrate. They say, ah, for me, that's how I am. Ah, for me, dear, I am like this. I was created like this. I was made like this. So when you meet any group of people who are discussing me, eh, ask them, can you point out one single thing that you can support with biblical scriptures that this man has done wrong to you? Support it! There's one thing. But I preach. The gospel is an offense to many. It's an offense to many. It's a serious offensive weapon to many. I used to have people here in the choir or in the ushering department or in the prayer department go and commit adultery or commit fornication. Or do something bad, and I suspend them. 
The next time I see, they are in one of my branches performing the same thing. Because the branch pastor wants him to feel that I am better than the senior pastor. I am the one who is good. I am the one who is there for you. I am the one. I am the one. I am the one. I am the one. And if you want to go to hell, allow a pastor, allow a pastor to deal with your soul and be interested with your, with your, with your soulish aspect and just massage you. If you want to go to hell, place a value. Place a value on your soul. Place a value on your soul. The sermons I preach, even if I don't visit you for one year, like this sermon should take you for one year and change your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any pastor who decides to be extremely nice knows he's is not performing well in the pulpit. And the only way to keep you around is to be extremely nice to you. Your pastor is not your friend. It's a more serious thing than that. It's, it's more serious than, than, than being your friend and calling you to check on you. It's more serious than that. It is, it is, you see, your biological father is the person through whom God brought you to this earth. Your spiritual father is the person through whom God is taking you to heaven. If the man is not pointing you to heaven, if he visits you ten times in a day, it is as useless as the word useless. Are you here? You see, when I'm preaching, I get down and I break all the protocols. Let's say, I'm praying for any brain soldier. I'm soldier. They say when any break, it doesn't show that. Like so, you see. <laughs> ah! Why are you a congregation member and you are at variance with everything I preach and everything I say? Why are you saying you are my son and you are pastoring my branch and you are at variance with everything I say and do? People came to this church, they had no place to sleep. It was here I made them pastors. It was here they met some of my sons who helped them. Today they say I haven't done anything to them, for them. This week somebody was sick, I sent money. You won't call anybody to tell, the, to tell them. They won't call, they won't call, they won't call. Because they are at variance. Am I preaching? Emulations. Unnecessary competition. Oh, very unnecessary. Life is a race against time, not a race against people. Let me tell you this. If God calls any of my son to leave me, to leave this church, and the person leaves me and does the same thing I'm doing, God didn't ask him to go. Because if God wants you to go, it's because he has something different for you to do. But if you repeat what I'm doing, 
if you repeat what I'm doing, run services similar to my services. I want my congregation. God did not talk to you. It's competition. You are not, you are not, you are not, you are not satisfied, satisfied with the title of a prince. You want the title of a king. I was in Tamale with Matashimolo and he said something. He said, anybody who leaves your church and plants a church close to you and begins to follow your members and begins to do things similar to you is because the person himself has no confidence in his anointing. I'm telling you. There is nobody pastor in my branch who came here as a successful pastor. I raised them. I gave them opportunity. I spoke about them. I recommended them. I commended them. But there were chances. Who wanted to use my good name and my brand and my reputation to advance their own cause? Don't be caught up in those foolish things. Are you here? Wrath, wrath. Some of you, you fight. You can even fight your wife like you are doing um, a heavyweight boxing. <laughs> heavyweight boxing that they have put $10 million on it. As if you are seeing $10 million. Are you correct? Isn't anger. Quick temperedness. Strive. You fight everybody in this church. And it's not only here you fight people. Though. In your home, you are fighting people. In your office, you are fighting people. And in this church, every place they put you, you fight. And you are trying to create the impression it's because the church, we don't love people. What about your workplace? What about your home? What about where you are? You fight. It is you who don't have love. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is the work of the flesh to be, at, to be, to be going around fighting. The sedition, rebellion. Daddy said we should all meet at this time. I mean, Charlie, I won't come. And then if you are not coming, why are you calling people? Don't come. Rebellion, power, rebellion. Rebellion is your middle name. And don't forget that the sin of rebellion is like a sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft. And you see, Satan rebelled. Satan rebelled against God. It's like a sin of witchcraft. And every rebel wants to be like the person he rebelled against. I'm telling you, you watch around. Satan wants to be, wanted to be like God. Lucifer wanted to be like God. Now nobody can name his child Lucifer. Well, it was it was supposed to be a nice name. It's nicer than the Archangel Michael's name. It's nicer than the name Archangel Gabriel's name. His name Lucifer. Now you can't name your child Lucifer. 
He has hijacked it and made it demonic. And then heresies, please hear this. Heresies, itchy ears. People tell you, don't pay tight. They are cheating you. There's no type proof in the Bible to see where they should pay tight. Those are heresies. And you want to hear it and you are happy. Let me tell you this. Those who are saying, don't pay tight. It's because the 10% is too small for them. They want you to pay 20% or 25% or 30%. They want to be able to take 90% and leave 10% for you. They want to twist the Bible to, to, to seal their lives, but you cannot. Stick to what you had when you were in Sunday school as a child. Stick to what you have been taught over the years. Keep to it. Keep to it. Let no man come and deceive you with another gospel. Ah, let me make you tight. I've paid tight and I've seen my life improving. I've been giving to God. I was just sharing a testimony. I just felt like, like I needed something. I needed some big breakthrough. I needed something. That's why God is showing me all this vision. Then I chose two, two fathers. One is a serious builder and a big church grower. I went to him. I laid an offering, 10,000. Then I went to my spiritual father, the one who ordained me. Same day, when he was with me, I also left, laid an offering of 10,000 at his feet. My spiritual father was not there, so I left, I left it. And then suddenly, doors begins to open. So if you come to teach me that sowing seeds and paying tithe is not biblical, I don't see where you're coming from. I don't even understand. It is like living in England where the roads are good, everything is good, and somebody comes and says, paying taxes is not good. You will understand. Yeah, you, get, you, you see, are you crazy? I pay tax. That's why my area is nice. That's why I have light all the time. That's why I have this. That's why I have this. That's why my children go to school free. It's my taxes. It's the same thing in your Christian life. Check your life. Unless you have not been a good Christian all this while. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Tight is obedience because you are commanded to do it. Offering is sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You don't pay tight because your, your pastor, your pastor is a nice man. And he preaches nice. So you are going to pay tight. I think I... I will conclude this sermon next week because I'll talk about the spirit taking over. But if I start the spirit taking over, I should take another one now. And now we have a service at 4 p.m. We have a service at 4 p.m. But I see, with a new normal, I can come to church and pray for two hours. So you get ready. With a new normal, just make up your mind that Sunday, you don't know when service will grow, close. We know when it will start. But we don't know when it will close. That is the new normal. Look, envies when the soul, when the body takes over your soul, you are in church, you are envious of people. Envious of people. I never knew that even people can be envious of their own pastors. 
Two people drove in here and saw what I'm doing. They decided I know. This man, this man is doing something. He's doing something. He's, he, he doesn't help anybody. That day. Recently, when we were, put, we were doing COVID, we were supposed to help people. People are talking. They are talking on the platform. People must be helped. People must be helped. Accra Business School, we put things together. Say, so let's Accra Business School sponsor it. Let the church money remain there. We use it for the work of God. Put it on the church platform. Somebody says, why, why Accra Business School, not the church? What are we looking for? No help? Where the help comes from? Does it matter? It's because of enviousness. Because of enviousness. Because the person feels that if I put it there as church, he is covered. But if I put it there as a craft business school, he is exposed. Ah! Call the person on the phone and say, what kind of thing is this? What kind of, is that, is that how, how far you have come? And how low you have sunk that you saw I put something there and you made that comment? All those who loved me and called me papa and bad before me have all run away when, when I was a poor pastor. When I was a poor pastor. All those who said papa, 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 papa. Once God started blessing me, they couldn't stand it. Just run away. Well, how can you be envious of somebody else's success? Let me tell you this. Enviousness is hating what you want because you did not get. Enviousness is hating what you like because you did not get. I bought a Benz for mommy on her birthday. If you are envious, you know what you are envious, you know what you say. All these things waste of money. You are a woman, oh, if your husband bought it for you, you have loved it. All these things waste of money. They should have used it to help the poor. They should have used it to help the poor. There are people in the church who cannot even find food to eat. Who cannot even find food to eat. And they are going to buy banks. They are going to buy banks. If I have to feed everybody before I can do something for myself, then I can't even buy a shirt. Then I can't even buy a shirt. Let me tell you this. Leave this enviousness. Don't envy your friends when God blesses them. In fact, there are people who left church not because anybody offended them. They could not stand the blessings of other people. They could not stand the blessings of other people. Please. If you are envious, the new normal will break your heart. The new normal will break your heart. Well, what we are going to do will break your heart. It will destroy you. So please, get out from that enviousness. Medes. Drunkenness. Those of you who are drinking left and right, left and right, left and right. It is the work of the flesh. It's there. Now, 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 why will you defend why will you defend alcoholism when the Bible says it's the work of the flesh? And the true worshipers of God worship him in spirit and in truth. 
When you see those very close to me drinking, tell them, you are a disgrace to the bishop's anointing. Tell them, you are a disgrace to the bishop's anointing. Revelings, you see, party, August, party, chilling. Hmm. Now, 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 eh? of which I tell you before, and as I have also told you in time past, that they will do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So you see, the body will take the soul, for the things, and walk him to hell. No, don't go there. My, my, my puppet is there. Go here. <laughs> so there are many people and walk down with him. You walk down. Come and pass with him. We are finished. Come and pass with him. Walk down. Let him lead you. He's taking you to hell. You are... So see, that's what the Bible says. The soul that sinner shall die. It's going to hell. The soul is going to hell. The soul is going to hell. That soul is going to hell. And some of you, that's how it is. The journey may be long, but you still get there. The journey may be long, but you still get there. Next week, we'll continue. Oh, Spirit, are you up? Okay. Next week, we'll continue. And we'll look at the Spirit. But let me show you a scripture. How do you get out of this? Pastor, can you read that scripture for me, Pastor? How do you get out of the control of the body over your soul? How do you get up? Get out of the control of the body over your soul. I want to thank all of you for coming to church. Some of you came quite late. When you came, we have already taken the offering. It doesn't mean that the offering is yours. You already received the tithe. It doesn't mean that you are exempted from paying your tithe. As I'm closing now, you can walk forward with your tithe and drop it here if you came with your tithe later. Or you can walk forward and drop your offering in the offering bowls that are there. Those of you, who are, those of you when you are going out, the offering bowls will be there. Make sure you drop them. Thank you for coming. 4 p.m. tonight, we have uh, Prophet, uh, Prophet El Bernard coming to the church. Please be here. Get seated early. Get seated early because you might not get chairs to sit on. So get seated very early. We're going to have a prophetic night, a solid prophetic night. Honorable Ita and the wife are celebrating their 10th anniversary. Can you come forward? Let me pray for you before we go. Okay. Okay. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. I keep under my body and bring it into what? Subjection. Subjection. Lest. Lest. That by any means. Lest by any means. When I have preached unto others. When I have preached unto others. I myself. I myself. Should be a castaway. We should be a castaway. So your body, you bring it under subjection. How do you bring your body under subjection? Through prayer. Rise on your feet right now and through the study of the word mm. and through attending church and through mm. serving God and through being spiritual. Begin to pray that let the body be brought under subjection. Lift up your voice. Run tagada pantoria pantabaria pamparia ba. Ridere broshagada bandiri biandalaba. Run talabia kapaparia pantoria baria. Ripala kaparian dirian zabariando. Rimundo kuspalian dirian zahata. Repa